for anyone listening to this sermon from our website or on the internet or by any other means, please avail yourself of the outline that's available so that you can be looking at the brief chart of Judah and Israel's kings to help you sort out the names that are found in Second Chronicles 22 through 24. Let's open our Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 22. I'm not going to be long because I'm going to trust that you did a lot of work last night. We just want to hit a few high points and realize the sober warning of five chapters in the Bible and the lesson they give us. Does everyone have that's present here one of the charts to look at? We want to consider for the sake of our youth and for the sake of our parents the goodness and the greatness of Jehoiada. Very few like him in the history of the world. We want to consider for the sake of our youth the terribleness of Joash. I hope that our youth will despise him and what he did in the latter part of his life. I hope that our youth will recognize how it happened. This is why I preach a short message about Joash. How could such a change take place that was so drastic in his life? I hope parents are convicted. Every time you let your children go out a door of your house, assuming that you have godly influences inside your house, they are at the risk of meeting up with the princes of this world. I hope that wise parents can remember many years ago a sermon from the book of Genesis about the protection of Dinah, which Jacob did not do, nor did her brothers help keep her safe, but she went out to be with the daughters of the land. And you know what happened with Shechem? Because she went out with the daughters of the world. I hope that we will meet a man, a son of Jehoiada named Zechariah, and that we will remember how he died, and that he called upon the Lord to remember his death, and how the Lord Jesus Christ remembered his death. Do you know how much blood was shed in the city of Jerusalem for the blood of Zechariah? 1.1 million. It ran in the streets like rivers. God defends his own. I hope that we will love a woman named Jehoshaphat who rescued that little guy from the queen of the land and put her life at risk because she was not going to let the seed of David expire from the earth. And nor would Jehoiada. The Lord Jesus Christ's lineage was at stake. But the devil got trumped by another woman, praise the Lord, who, who grabbed and snatched that little baby boy out of the nursery of the seed royal in Judah and kept him up for six years. I want you to understand how a boy raised with his cousins and the most affectionate uncle and aunt could kill his cousins in the end simply because they feared God. How does that happen? It happens by the friends you choose to hang around. They will turn your heart away from the living God until you would do the same thing. I want us to believe that. 
Look at your church. It's simply to help. It is confusing reading some of these chapters sometimes. You know how Samuel Kings and Chronicles, especially Kings and Chronicles, is written. It'll have a chapter or two about Judah, then a chapter or two about Israel to get you caught up, then a chapter or two about Judah to get you ahead, then a chapter or two about Israel to get you caught up. And they named each, they named their kings after each other in a way of honor. So you have in this list an Ahaziah in both lists, a Jehoram in both lists, though we only have five kings or so in each list. And so it's confusing. Very briefly, very quickly, remember, under Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, the nation of Israel was split. Two tribes remained with Rehoboam, Solomon's son, David's grandson. The other ten tribes left the worship of God, left the temple in Jerusalem, and took up idolatry. And so it was ten tribes that God despised, called Israel, and two tribes called Judah that God loved because Judah had the city of Jerusalem, the temple of God, the worship of God, the priests of God, and the coming Messiah of God. And he despised Israel, and he sent them off into captivity by the Assyrians well before the Babylonians took Judah captive. Those are the two nations. They were two separate nations, two different capital cities. Samaria was the capital of Israel, and Jerusalem was the capital of Judah. These kings, the kings of Judah, were for the most part better than the kings of Israel. Let's just start with Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is one of the top four kings in the history of Judah. Those four kings are David, Hezekiah, Josiah, and Jehoshaphat. He feared God with all his heart and served him diligently. Opposite of him, who was king of Israel at the same time, was Ahab, who sold himself to do wickedly because of his wicked wife's influence named Jezebel. Now I want to point out, first of all, what started this whole bloodletting and the murder and mayhem in this family. And it's because Jehoshaphat, a great and godly man, let his son, not let him, encouraged him, arranged a marriage with the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And that line running over from Ahab and Jezebel to Jehoram that ends up at the name Athaliah, that is the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel and Jehoshaphat arranged for his son to marry that woman so that he could create some peace in his family. He wanted to create some family peace and some national unity by uniting Judah with Israel. But God hated Israel. And God loved Judah. God hated Ahab and Jezebel and their children, including Athaliah, and he loved Jehoshaphat. You're at Second Chronicles 22. Turn back to chapter 18. We must start with that event because it is crucial to what we're about to learn. The example set by these wicked parties and the sin pool that they bought into by a marriage is terrible. Chapter 18, verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Affinity is marriage. Jehoshaphat took his son Jehoram and married him to Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Affinity. 
What does the Bible teach us? And we shall not compromise this point. If you want your children to marry an unbeliever, and we will define a believer the way the Bible defines it, you will be excluded for your privilege. We're not going to put up with that. We're not going to bless it. We're not going to tolerate it. We're not going to go to the wedding. God drowned this world because of the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. There it is, 18.1. Now let's see what God thinks about it in 19.2. Verses 1 and 2, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. Second Chronicles 19.1. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly? And love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. God was angry with Jehoshaphat for loving and helping those that were the enemies of God. Now we are not talking about Philistines or Egyptians. We're not talking about Arabians or Muslims. We're not talking about Hindus or Buddhists. We are talking about Israelites. But they were Baal-worshipping Israelites. I want you to notice... This is where it came from. What kind of character was Jezebel? She killed Naboth for a vineyard. She killed all the prophets of God except a few that Obadiah was able to gather and keep in a cave for their safety. She was a bloodletter. She was a bloodthirsty murderer, this Jezebel. And like mother, so is daughter. So was Athaliah as you have read last evening. Looking at these columns, Jehoshaphat has Jehoram marry Athaliah. The two of them have Ahaziah. As soon as Jehoshaphat dies, what did Jehoram do? As soon as Jehoshaphat died, and his big family walked out of the funeral home, Jehoram killed all his brothers. How in the world did that happen in one generation? Because the man married Athaliah. She was a bloodletter. She was a murderer. Jehoram kills all his brothers. He has a bunch of sons, but the blood of those brothers is crying out to the God of heaven. And so the God of heaven sent a marauding band of Philistines and Arabians into Judah that killed all of Jehoram's sons, save one, Ahaziah. His youngest son was the only one that survived the judgment of God. If you'll notice the two arrows that are coming up from Jehu, God arranged Jehu to be the divine assassin, the glorious assassin. For many years, my favorite Bible character because of his zeal. When he rode his chariot, everyone knew from a distance that it was Jehu because the Bible... Not that I drive that way. I have, but I don't. I'm old. Jehu drove his chariot furiously, and the Bible has a very high commendation of him in how God recognized the zeal and the perfect fulfillment of his assassination assignment of these two kings and their sons. He he wiped out the house of Ahab. This is the Bible. This is how much God hates Men who turn away from his religion and pick up idolatry. 
Jehu kills Jehoram of Israel and Jehu kills Ahaziah of Judah. Now Ahaziah is the only royal blood at this point. And there's children and there's grandchildren of his brothers who were slain by the marauding Philistines and Arabians. Athaliah sees that there's a power vacuum. And so Athaliah kills all of her grandsons. Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, kills all her grandsons so that there is no royal blood left in Judah. Except for Jehoshaphat, who was Ahaziah's sister, who was part of that family that defied those orders and grabbed that little baby and took him to the temple where Jehoiada, a very old hundred years old at this point in time, approximately, the two of them kept that little baby up for six years in a secret bedchamber of the temple of God. His name was Joash. And Jehoiada took care of him. And as long as Jehoiada was his counselor, Joash was a great king. And we want to look briefly at his life and we want to think about the lesson that it has for us. Five chapters in your Bible are given to this story. Five chapters. It's worth your time. The lesson, pick your friends carefully and follow their advice. Because it's taught plainly in the Word of God. That a companion of wise men will be made wise and a companion of fools will be destroyed. We have heard and learned repeatedly from 1 Corinthians 15.33 that be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners and evil communications will corrupt this little boy king named Joash. It is a shame that most Bible stories only tell the part of the story about the seven-year-old boy being crowned king. Now that is one dramatic event. And it's even described in dramatic terms in the Bible. But there's so much more to the life of Joash that's more useful than a seven-year-old becoming king. Of course, seven-year-olds enjoy such a story. But 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds need to enjoy the story of having princes come and corrupt the young man after Jehoiada was dead. Jehoiada is one of the great men of the Bible. He was buried with the kings of Judah among their sepulchers. He had a better burial than Joash the king. And I want you to notice, and it's not written here, so you've got to hear me, because you've heard it at other times, the king Ahaziah of Judah, the son of Athaliah, the grandson of Ahab and Jezebel, that king, the next king Joash, and the next king Amaziah were cut right out of the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 8, you have Jehoram begetting Isaiah. Because Ahaziah, Joash, and Amaziah were cut out for the wickedness that Jehoshaphat started with marrying outside the Lord. Because God would visit the iniquities of the fathers to the children of the third and the fourth generation, And the second, third, and fourth generations were cut out. They are not in the genealogy of Jesus Christ because God considered them imposters and not worthy of the descent from David because they also came from Ahab and Jezebel and they lived like Ahab and Jezebel. And the Bible gives us plenty of hints, but that's a whole other study and it's on the website and it's called, Are There Contradictions in the Bible? 
And it's about the age of Ahaziah where God gives us hidden wisdom about what he did. There's three cases like this in the Bible where men's ages are not their biological age, but their connection to another event. i got to leave that right there. It's wonderful study. Second Chronicles chapter 22 takes up in verse 10. Jehu has killed Ahaziah. If you were to really want to get into this study, you would want to read 2 Kings 8 through 10 and 2 Chronicles 17 through 21 as background material before you even get to the five chapters that we're dealing with. The five chapters are 11 and 12 of 2 Kings and 22 through 24 of 2 Chronicles. In verses 10 through 12 of chapter 22, the last three verses, we read about Athaliah, verse 10. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal of the house of Judah. Those are her grandsons. Where could a woman come from that evil? Easy. Check out her mommy. That's why I went over the little bit of history. And Jehoshaphat married his son to such a woman... They had a beautiful church wedding. The pictures in the paper were so nice. It was attended by thousands. Oh, it was delightful. They were such a beautiful couple together. It was a marriage made in heaven. Look at the way that they smile at each other. She was a devil from hell. And Jehoshaphat did not preserve David's lineage the way he should have. So God cut it out. God took the scalpel and did the surgery on the descent of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read in verses 11 and 12, and I'm not going to read this whole thing to you. You were supposed to read it last night. We want to get to the bottom line and walk out of here convicted to be like Jehoiada and to be like Zechariah and not to be like Jehoshaphat and Joash. Is everyone getting the message? All of you parents, you want to be like Jehoiada, not like Jehoshaphat. All you young men, you want to be like Zechariah, not like Joash. What are you going to do, young men, when we die? You're going to bury me. You're going to be a pallbearer for your father and me, Stephen. Are you going to be like Joash? Are you going to be like Jehoram as soon as we die? You're going to kill your brother? I'd never do anything like that. You're going to turn your back on the God of heaven? Stephen hasn't done a single thing to deserve anything I'm saying to him any more than be a young man sitting in my eyesight right now. He's a fine young man. He's singing tenor so well. Listen, he's, he's singing tenor so well right now. Francis Carnell, this bo- you know, Brother Newell wasn't here last Sunday. See, when Brother Newell and I are side by side, we're so loud we can't hear anyone else in here. But I heard that young man, and that, so I, I wanted to say something good about you. But brothers, what are our children going to do? What's going to happen? Are there young men in this church and young women in this church that hate and are sick by what they read last night as they read about a boy that was taken care of so personally, so attentively, so protectively by an aunt and an uncle and then crowned by him and his sons? Do you know who put the crown on his head? Zechariah 2311. 
It should make you so sick and full of angry, you ought to, you ought to have been able to do the job of Jehu with ease. He pulled his bow at full strength and drove an arrow through Jehoram. It blessed his heart to see that arrow come out his chest. The Bible tells us that. And the Bible tells us that God looked upon what Jehu did with the zeal with which he killed those wicked kings and said, Thou hast done well in executing all that was in my mind toward these wicked men. Are there some men in here that hate what Joash did? That want to live the life that Zechariah did not get to live? That want to be faithful to a man like Jehoiada? Your fathers, this church. Let's let Zechariah live. Not just the one that's in the back, but all of you young men. And you young women, be like Jehoshaphat. Who cares if it's your own mother that turns away from the following God or your own father? She was the daughter of Jehoram, but she wasn't a murderer. Okay, I hope I've given you plenty of background. There's more, but it's enough. Ahaziah was a mommy's boy, and the Bible tells us that he was a mommy's boy. And see, so God looked at that being a mommy's boy. Mommy came from Ahab and Jezebel. Athaliah was his mommy. The Bible tells us he was a mommy's boy. So he gets cut out because he wanted some that were daddy's boys. The daddy being Jehoshaphat. The daddy being David, to be like those men. And so God cut him out and got on down to a better king named Isaiah. His infancy, you know the story, brethren, you read it. I hope you read it. In chapter 23, it describes the end of six years of keeping the little boy up in the temple. He was kept there in a bedchamber in the temple and never discovered to the queen, Athaliah. You know, when you're a murderer like that, you live in fear all your life of someone murdering you. And there had been so much murder and mayhem going on in Judah and Israel, especially with Jehu coming on the scene, she would have had her spies out but never knew about the bedchamber in the temple, the little bedroom in the temple that had a nurse and a little boy. And what a dramatic scene. Why in the world does anyone have to watch a Hollywood movie? It's made up garbage. It's not faith-based, it's stupid, and it always ends hopeless. This story ends gloriously. It ends full of hope. The Lord look upon it. That's all that you need to say, and you should be full of hope. The Lord look upon it and require it. Because the Lord's going to hear that kind of a prayer, and the Lord did look upon it, and the Lord did require it. He required it of Joash, and He required it of the whole nation. This is drama. The drama starts in chapter 23. It's his coronation. Verses 1 through 21. When Joash was seven years old, Uncle Jehoiada decided it was time to reveal Judah's king. He went through the whole nation and got the mighty men of valor. He got the great Levites that were fearless of other men and who loved the Lord Jehovah and gathered them in Jerusalem and took an oath of them. This drama gives me goosebumps and I'm just telling you about it. Do you read the Bible carefully? Why would you ever need drama in a book or a movie? He took all those mighty men of valor, the captains of hundreds and thousands, the captains of the military, and put them in the temple and took an oath of them. 
that before the God of heaven, they loved the Lord God of Israel and they were loyal to the seed of David. And then he said, bring them out. And they brought out a little seven-year-old boy and he produced the birth certificates and the evidence that he had the seed of David in front of them. A seven-year-old boy. That's drama. Jehoiada taking an oath of them and then showing them this little boy and then giving them their instructions. The Bible wants you to know about him breaking them down into thirds and giving them assignments on where they're supposed to stand and they better have their weapons in their hand. If they have their weapons in their scabbard, it's not good enough for this little boy because that woman is a wicked woman and she will try to kill this little boy. She's already killed the rest of the seed royal. I want your weapons in your hands. Do you have the picture, my brethren? Of these mighty men of valor lined up in the temple, it says from the left corner of the temple to the right corner of the temple, between the temple and the altar, here's this line of men, and there's another group assigned to bring him out and to take him back in. The little boy has quite an escort. And so his coronation takes place in verses 1 through 21 of this 23rd chapter. He gathered all the support from the nation that he needed and assigned them their duties. He gathered that little king there and put him beside the the pillar where the kings of Judah stood. He's a seven-year-old boy. I want to tell you something about that seven-year-old boy. Do you know how I know this even though it's not written? I can know it because I understand the character of Jehoiada. That boy had been taught a little bit in seven years. Jehoiada wouldn't have thought he was ready to be king unless he'd been taught. That little boy standing there beside the pillar. And Jehoiada says, bring it out. And they bring out the holy scrolls of God's Word. Do you know what the Bible teaches in Deuteronomy? It says when this nation ends up having a king, which they shouldn't have, but when they have a king that they shouldn't have, I want this scriptures, the, the books of Moses copied by scribes and put in their hands, and that testimony read to him every day so that he will know how to judge his Judah and Israel. Bring it out. And so they bring him the testimony and they say, this is your copy, king. Down a little lower. This is your copy. It's in verse 11. Then they brought out the king's son and put upon him the crown and gave him the testimony and made him king. If you're to go to the account in Kings, you will find out who made him king, who anointed his head and put the crown on it. The sons, plural, of Jehoiada. Verse 12, now when the, when the old woman heard what was going on in the temple, she comes running in and sees the king standing in the appointed place of a king. Trumpeters around, they're praising the Lord. He's got the testimony, he's got a crown on his head, and she tears her clothes and screams out, treason! And Jehoiada says, don't get this place bloody. Get her out of the ranges of the temple and kill her. And so they did. Glory! Glory to God. Amen. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. The angels in heaven rejoiced over one sinner that was slain. She was a wicked woman. How does a grandmother kill her grandsons? All of them for the ambition to be queen herself. Wonderful. Now the queen's dead. And Jehoiada says, we've got work to do here. The crown isn't good enough. 
The testimony by itself isn't good enough. We are going to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. We are going to make a covenant with Jehovah. We, meaning I, read both accounts. I, Jehoiada. King Joash. Have I called him Josiah yet? For the last two weeks, I've been in my sleep, I call him Josiah. He's not Josiah, he's Joash. King Joash and I and all the people make a covenant that we are going to serve the Lord God, Jehovah, alone. And that you people are going to serve this king the way the Bible describes, and this king is going to serve you the way the Bible describes. And they all made a covenant. They got so excited about this covenant. Have you... I'm just, I'm just telling the story right now. They got so excited with the covenant, the crowd of people ran down the street to the house of Baal and tore it to the ground. And Matt and the priest of Baal came out to try to slow things down. They just killed them. Now that is a zealous covenant signing. We haven't had anything like that at any of our weddings. That is a real covenant going down. Look at the... Who led all this? Who's responsible for all this? Who did God use as His instrument? Jehoiada. Are there Jehoiadas in here that are known as Mr. So-and-so, that are the head of their households? Be like Jehoiada. He led a covenant. The whole nation was going to serve the Lord and serve the king. And it got them all so aroused, they took the temple of Baal down, and then they came back. Then they came back to get the king so that they could have an orderly procession to take him down to the king's house where he could go into the king's palace because the coronation took place in the temple of the living God. And they took him down the street in a grand procession and took him into the king's house and he sat on the throne of his father David, seven years old, with the testimony and with Jehoiada at his right hand, a 100 plus year old man. What was he like as a youth? What was Joash like? The Bible tells us in verse 2 of chapter 24, Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. As long as his counselor was alive, his surrogate father, his uncle Jehoiada, look at what it says. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Look at verse 4. You say, what about verse 3? Yes, Jehoiada got him a couple wives and told him to get busy. Why? Shiloh needs to have a father and mother. A legal father and a biological mother. Understand? This is the line of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, that's not important. Verse 4, it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. Had Jehoiada done a good job with his surrogate son? He was minded. It came into his mind because Athaliah had messed the house of God up. They were Baal worshippers. So when she got into power and when Jehoram was into power, the temple was neglected. In fact, it had been abused and pulled apart. And so Joash, it comes into his mind, we can't let the temple be like this. This is the effect of a Jehoiada. But I want you to notice his zeal. For the next ten verses, you can read here and in Kings that Joash was very zealous. And he went back in the Scriptures. The testimony the testimony that had been given to him said that there was to be a poll tax taken of every Israelite every year for the maintenance of the temple. 
And he got the Levites and he said, you get out and collect that tax. They went out and collected it and pocketed it. So then he calls Jehoiada in after a number of years. I love this moment. And you know what? Jehoiada loved it. Joash calls Jehoiada in and calls him to task. Why are the priests and the Levites not collecting the tax for the maintenance of the temple? And Jehoiada knew what the problem was. When you have kings like this, guess what the people are like? They're unfaithful. Guess what the priests are like? Unfaithful. So what do they do? They put a big chest up there beside the gate that leads to the altar of God and drill a hole in the top. And every day when you came to offer your sacrifice, you put your money in. And every night it identifies the two men that would pick up that big case of money, haul it into a chamber of the temple, count it out, and give an accounting to Joash. And then he assigned all the tradesmen to come in and rebuild the temple. And it's described in detail. And God was with him so much. Do you know what? There was no accounting done. He just gave them every bit of money that came in. You've got to read both accounts and you're going to see some things that are going to appear contradictory until you read both accounts. He just turned the money over to the tradesmen. Get that place fixed. And at the end, they brought back everything they hadn't used. Now, for those of you who have ever built anything, and you give a draw to a contractor, he seldom comes back with anything. It's amazing how all his costs just absorbed every draw, every bit of the draw that you gave him. But the builders, you know what? The Bible tells us they all dealt faithfully. The tradesmen outdid the priests and Levites of Judah. They bring the money back. Joash says, listen, this beautiful new temple that we have refurbished, it needs all new instruments, all the snuffers and the bowls and the vessels. So take the rest of the money and and do all that. This boy had zeal for the house of the Lord, didn't he? It came into his own mind. It wasn't Jehoiada's mind. Read the Bible very carefully. It came into his mind. He wasn't seven anymore. He was older. And it was of he was of a mind. I want to build the house of God and undo the damage that my grandmother did to it. So we read about the youthful king. Then what happens to him? Verse 15. But Jehoiada waxed old. This man who had taken care of him since he was one year old, had crowned him at seven, had counseled him throughout, he gets old. Stephen, your father's getting old. James and Nathan, your fathers are getting old. Daniel, your father's getting old. Jonathan, your father's getting old. Paul, your father's getting old. My sons, I'm getting old. But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. And 130 years old was he when he died. God was with that man because there is no age like that in this time in the Bible. David lived to a good old age. He died at 70. The Lord was with this man, and he had kept this man alive for a glorious purpose. A little boy. And he invested the latter part of his life in a little boy. 
And they buried him in the city of David among the kings. Praise God. There are men that know what to do. They know what kind of a funeral to have for a man like Jehoiada. We're going to bury him with the kings. Because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and toward his house. Now does Psalm 122 mean a little bit more to you? I will seek thy good. For my companions' sakes and my brethren's sake, I will seek thy good. And that is this church. Verse 17, now after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah. What does a prince mean? Noble, wealthy, good families, good looking, good education, suave, debonair, cool, popular, sophisticated. They came as soon as the funeral was over. And Jehoiada was buried. The princes, the best, the cream of the crop of Judah came to talk to the king. Why didn't they come earlier? Because it was a 130-year-old man that would have cut their heads off. And they made obeisance to the king. They got down and bowed and scraped. Did they care about that king or that throne or that David or that God that had made him king? Did they care about the covenant that had been made between them and their fathers with that king? They got down and made obeisance to seduce and ensnare and bewitch and trap that young man because there was an empty spot at his right hand. Jehoiada was no longer there. And all you young, all you young men in here that are 40 years of age and under, you're going to be pallbearers for your fathers and the fathers in this church. And I want to know who is going to jump up and take that spot where Jehoiada stood and cut their heads off when they come in here to corrupt this church. Princes. They could be successful. They could be intelligent. They might have great personalities. But everything is to be measured by the Word of God and the covenant that we have made to follow the God of the Bible. And his religion and his doctrine. What did they ask the king? What did they want? They wanted to change the religion. We don't like this old Jehovah stuff. It's too old fashioned. We want to change the religion. And Joash hearkened to them. He didn't have the courage. It had always been Jehoiada that had fought his battles. He didn't have the courage to stand up and tell these good-looking, intelligent, highly educated, sophisticated, powerful, rich, wealthy, tax-paying citizens of Judah that he would not go along with their plans. He hearkened to them. He listened to them. Jehoiada would have cut their heads off. He would have given them one minute to repent. How do I know that? Go read the covenant. Go read what happened to Matt and the high priest of Baal. Go read what happened to Athaliah. How long do you think he would have taken? The key is verse 17. And all all the young people in here, you young men. Joshua, don't you ever forget verse 17. Princes came and appealed to him and made obeisance to him. That's flattery. That's hard to resist. We just want to be friends. You're a wonderful guy. This is a wonderful church. We love coming here. We just have a few different ideas of things that we could do differently. Cut their heads off. And the king hearkened to them. And they left. You know, the king and the princes of Judah are no longer separated. There's just a plural pronoun. 
And they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. And the wrath of God is described in Second Kings 12. It is the Syrians under Haziel, their king. Verse 19, Yet God sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord. And they testified against them, but they would not give ear. The nation had turned away, and Joash had turned away with them, and Joash had endorsed their turning away from the temple of the Lord God of Israel. Verse 20, And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah the son of Jehoiada the priest, which stood above the people. What does that mean? Does that mean that God's prophets lorded over God's people? Or is this another backup cross-reference to Ezra that Zechariah was standing on the pulpit? A pulpit in the Bible is a, an edifice that is made for a man to stand on so that all the people can see him open the book of God. That's what that means. That's all that means. He was up opening God's Word because he was going to preach God's Word. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah. Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God. And this is how you young men should answer anyone that either in private or in public ever suggests anything to you that is contrary to your fathers or the fathers in this church or the word of God. And not in that order. This is what you should say. Thus saith God. Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Don't you people understand why everything's so hard in Judah right now? Because you're transgressing the commandments of God, and He is holding prosperity back from you. Because ye have forsaken the Lord, He hath also forsaken you. You may have to say that to somebody sometime that is going to a church with 5,000 members. The number of their membership has nothing to do. You should hear the pastor, whatever he calls himself, out of New Spring and Anderson... All he says to all the objectors, because they're all over the internet, blogging about that ridiculous New Spring Church in Anderson, he says, just look at the scoreboard. He thinks the scoreboard is an attendance board. The scoreboard is in heaven, and it's God's book of righteousness. He can't see that scoreboard except by this scoreboard. This is the scoreboard by which we score ourselves on whether we're walking according to God's commandments or not. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. That's our scoreboard. You will have to do that. Zechariah stood up. Where's a Zechariah that will leap into the empty spot left by his father Jehoiada? He had a a faithful son, didn't he? Joash was not a faithful son. But Zechariah was. And look at what he said. Verse 21, but they can, they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king. Who's the king? Joash. Joash gave the orders, kill Zechariah for telling us that we're not keeping God's commandments. How were Zechariah and Joash related? They were cousins. Did they know each other pretty well? Very, very, very well. From Joash, having been raised in the temple and kept up by their parents. 
They conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. Where was that? The court. Where is the court of the house of the Lord? Where is the court of God's temple? It's the outward part, not under a roof, where there was an altar, where the, where the uh, sacrifices could be burned. Wait a minute. I mean, if, that, if that's where it took place, that's the very place where Joash was crowned by Zechariah and his brothers. That, that's the very place where they handed him the testimony as a seven-year-old boy, and he made an oath with all the people of God and with Jehoiada that he would keep the commandments of the Lord. You mean in the very same place? Thus, Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him. I am not exaggerating the drama of the case. I am not exaggerating the heinous nature of the crime. But slew his son. And when he died, that's Zechariah. And when Zechariah died, he said, The Lord look upon it and require it. Zechariah didn't die quite like Stephen, did he? Stephen said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Why? Is there, is there any re- can we justify the difference here? Was Zechariah wicked for this? Not anything whatsoever. Because there was a personal crime of a magnitude involved against Jehoiada, a righteous man that needed to be revenged. How do we, under- how do we accept this? Easily. Jesus remembered and brought down the blood of Zechariah on the nation of the Jews. No problem. Those Jews that stoned Stephen did not understand. They did not understand about Jesus Christ. It was a spiritual difference. This was no spiritual difference. This was a personal act of revenge of a terrible crime against Jehoiada and Jehoshaphat and their children. Verse 22, Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but slew his son. And when he died, he said, The Lord look upon it and require it. And so what did the Lord do? It came to pass at the end of the year that the Syrians came in and took the princes of the people from among the people. Look at verse 23. What happened to the princes that had come and conspired for a new religion? Bye-bye. The Syrians came and took them captive. Verse 24 tells us that they only sent a very small army because it only took five of them to chase a thousand Jews. Did God tell them that in the book of Deuteronomy? That if you don't keep my commandments, five of your enemy will chase a thousand of you. If you keep my commandments, five of you will chase a thousand of them. A very small army came in and destroyed a very great host of the Jews because the Lord was not with them. There is no might nor power nor counsel against the Lord. If you don't do it His way, it doesn't matter whether hand join in hand and you make a confederacy with the whole world against Him. God wins. Learn that. God wins. Be on His side. Be on the winning side. When they came into Jerusalem and took everything, they left Joash because he was so sick with many with diseases, great diseases. And then his own servants weren't going to let him die in peace, even if he was very sick. So they killed him in his bed. Amen and amen. He deserved every bit of that. But they buried him not in the sepulchres of the kings, the last clauses of verse 25. Proverbs 13.20, I've said it three times today. 
A companion of wise men will be wise. A companion of fools will be destroyed. Proven by this story. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Those good-looking, highly educated, intelligent princes that came and spoke with Joash, they corrupted him. They seduced him. They bewitched him. They entrapped him. He couldn't resist the peer pressure of his noble princes. And he caved in and went for religious change. And his whole life turned upside down. And his world went right back into the bloody world of Athaliah, Jezebel, Jehoram, and that terrible family. Why? Where did it all start? How did it happen? How could a little boy who grew up loving Uncle Jehoiada tell me the stories again? Would, would, would a man at 110 have some decent stories to tell? Uncle Jehoiada, tell me again that story? Would you read God's Word to me again, Uncle Jehoiada? Thank you, Uncle Jehoiada and Aunt Jehoshaphat for saving me from my grandma. Thank you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. He turns away from the temple of the Lord and he kills the sons, plural. Read Kings of Jehoiada. How does it happen? Worldly friends. Worldly friends. Let's try a new religion. Worldly music. Worldly movies. Not trusting God's word. Not standing with the good friends, the godly friends that God's given you. You're going down. It's throughout the Bible. There are no exceptions. Be not deceived. If you think there are exceptions, you are deceived. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Joash had great manners. It was in his mind to refurbish the house of God and to do it zealously and to call men to task for not doing it faithfully. What happened to him? What happened to his mind? It became conformed to this world by worldly friends. And parents, you're responsible. And every one of us is responsible. You are the friends you keep. And your friends are going to make you or break you. And all that matters is this. In the sight of God. Count on it. If you're under 30, and or you are an impressionable person, and or you are needy, and or you are discouraged, and or you need some direction in your life, you of all people that hear my voice right now need to be careful and strict and tough and vigilant about your friends, that they are godly and righteous and sober and holy and separated from this world. If you compromise, you're destroyed. I've read to you already David's great choices for his friends. He was a companion of all those that feared God and kept his commandments. Your parents, if you have Christian parents, are the best friends you can have. Who will love you as much? Your parents are in the place of Jehoiada. If you turn against your parents and do not follow their religion, unless a tsunami of Bible evidence, none of which you are capable of even receiving, were to come to you, since it can't happen, let's just ignore it. God gave you your parents, and God gave you the religion of your parents, and if you turn against your parents, you are just like Joash, and under the right circumstances, you would kill. Anyone would say, how could Joash do that? Well, if you have to ask that question, you're very foolish, because the heart of man is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. 
You may say, if I had such circumstances, I'd never reject God and kill my cousin the priest. I say unto you that if you're a child of godly parents in this church, your parents have already done more for you than Jehoiada did for Joash. I say unto you, then let your life prove you are not like Joash, for we have seen some just like him in this church. Just like him. Who was the real friend in Joash's life? What's a real friend? Well, they just listened to me. They just listened to me better than my parents do. Hello? That's not a friend. That's an idiot. Your parents want to help you. Listening is not a friend. Trees listen. Dogs listen. Cats listen. You don't need a listener. You need somebody that will tell you, this is the way. Walk ye in it. That's a friend. Real love is helping a person please God in their life. That's a friend. Jehoiada was a friend. Zechariah was a friend. Joash went for the princes and lost his real friends, killed his real friends, and the Lord killed him. Learning the history of these men is of minor value. The main goal is to weigh the influence of friends in your life and for every one of your fathers to be the Jehoiadas of your families. God's going to hold you responsible for repaying him for the kindness he's shown you with the truth he's shown you. Hezekiah didn't repay the Lord for the kindness he gave him in 15 years extension on his life. God's going to hold you accountable for repaying your parents. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 4 tells children to requite. That means to repay their parents. The Lord will hold you accountable, you young people. Disobeying your parents is like Joash's murder of his cousin Zechariah the priest. Because when you disobey your parents and dishonor them and disgrace them and shame them and leave for another religion that you, th- you don't even have the ability to sort out, it causes them great anguish that lasts a whole lot longer than a stoning. Every grandfather in here better be a Jehoiada as well. And every great-grandfather needs to be a Jehoiada. Your esteem in life and death depends upon your faithfulness to God. Jehoiada was esteemed even in death. He was taken down the street in a processional and put among the kings of Israel. He got buried next to David. Joash got buried next to the cook. I don't mean anything against chefs. Who are your counselors? Who are your teachers? Who are your friends? Who are your guides in life? They must be holy and separated. They must be godly and virtuous. They must hate this world and its lifestyle. They must hate this world and its philosophy. They must hate this world and its religions. Those are the men you want to be with. Those are the women you want to be with. The Bible gave us a church so that we can all be Jehoiadas to each other. We can be Zechariahs to each other. No! Don't let that happen. You shouldn't be doing that. Let's go in the way of the Lord. Let's go on Sunday and worship with all our might. Let's keep up the house of the Lord. This is why we have a church. Your parents are waxing old. They're going to die sooner than Jehoiada. Are you going to change after that? Or are you going to change before that? Are you going to send them to their graves with an anguished heart because you're living the life of a fool? Who will stand up and be Zechariah's? May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.